And as Christians, we ought to be celebrating every one of the feasts of Israel. It's called the Feast of Yehovah. And with those feasts, what it does is it reminds us of God's faithfulness, of the work He's done in the past, and of the work He's going to do in the future. And that's what these feasts do. So let us now bless our Torah. Abba, once again, we thank you so much, Father, that you've been faithful to the years. You said not one yod or one tittle would pass away. So, Father, we thank you for bringing your gospel to these islands, Lord, and reaching the Hawaiian people and all those who reside on these islands. Lord, thank you for loving us enough. And we thank you for your word that has been sent forth, Lord, not to return void, but it, it'll, it'll produce what it was called to do. Lord. We thank you for your word in the New Testament, Lord. And we also thank you for the one Savior of the world who died on our behalf. Yeshua HaMashiach, Oaleinu, our Redeemer. What is to you that we are? Show our love and our appreciation. We give you all the glory and praise. In Yeshua's mighty name, and we all say it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, uh, so last, who? Yes. So last week we um, celebrated Rosh Hashanah, or that's the name for the Feast of Trumpets, or that means actually the head of the year, the head of the Jewish New Year. But nowhere in the Bible you're gonna find it. So it's it was developed through Mishnah, yeah. So it's the traditions that the Jews have, and they made this word. But yo, mom, next one. So these are the feasts of Israel. <laughs> but these seven, the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the feast of weeks have all been fulfilled with Yeshua's first coming. Go to the next one. So the spring feast is with Passover. That's why he died on the cross. You guys heard of uh, the feast of Hamatzot? It's the feast of unleavened bread. First fruits at Pentecost. So Passover was the sacrifice. The feast of unleavened bread was the sinless body that the Lord had. That's what he represents. And the first fruits Yeshua was the first fruits from the grave unto glorification. So remember in the Bible, many got resurrected. In fact, 500 came out of the grave. But they were restored to regular life and then they passed away. Because the Messiah had to be the first from the grave unto glorification. And then 50 days after Passover, we have the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. So 50 days after Passover to the exact day, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room. And that's when the birthday of the church. So like Brother was saying, that's the day the Holy Spirit came. So remember David said, please don't take the Holy Spirit away. That was a valid Old Testament prayer. But today, the Holy Spirit cannot leave. He resides and lives within us. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit 
resides in you. Now for me, I get more room. That's what I do. I, I give them more room to operate. So the bigger I get, the more room they can operate. So now there's the church age. What the Lord did was, He interrupted His plan for Israel. And He made that church age, which we're in now, with the, where Yeshua said, the fields are white unto harvest. So now as believers in Yeshua, He, uh, he has called us to bring uh, jealousy to the Jews and Romans. And that way we can turn the Jews back unto Him. So the next, so the feast we celebrated last week was the Feast of Trumpets. And then next week we're going to ce uh, celebrate the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. Can you go to the next one? So the first four was uh, fulfilled by His first coming. The second three will be fulfilled by Yeshua's second coming. So the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, go to the next one. When the Jews celebrate it, they have different uh, blasts. So there's one called Tekiah. Did you try to Tekiah song? So they wrote the song Tekiah. It's a, it's a blast that goes this, a single blast, quick blast. And the second one here, Tekiah. This is a blast. Do they teach him that? No. <laughs> so this blast is a call to assemble. So that's why when we assemble, we use that three blasts. Sometimes a short note with a long note. The next one. And then Chevalier. So Chevalier. So this is an urgent call to assemble. Something's going on. Let's assemble. Yeah, the next one. That song, when you hear that, they would know that there's an enemy attack and that we gotta mount up and attack them and meet them where they're coming from. Okay, go to the next one, sir. So this is the Fekia Gedola. So during the uh, Rosh Hashanah, they blow the trumpets, they blow 99 blasts of those three types. But when it comes to the last trump, the 100 blasts, the guy sucks it all in and holds it. It's the Tekia Hedola. Thank you, sir. So that is... When Paul talked about the last trump, he was talking about that trump. The final trump will be sounded, and then we who are alive in Christ will be taken up. And then those who are dead will be for us. So go to the next one. So go back. So remember Yeshua said, uh, Yeah. Yeshua said, In my Father's house, a many mansions, and I saw a good place. I'll go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I come again and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So what he's going to do, when he left, when he ascended, he went to prepare a place for us. And you read the scriptures, it's awesome. The walls are like 200 feet high and 10 foot of, you know, onyx and emerald and diamond, streets of gold, just incredible. So he's preparing something for us. 
So the rapture of the church will be fulfilled by Rosh Hashanah. First Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. The Hebrew word is lachak. Lachak means to take, take them. He will leave the heavenly abode of God. He will pass through space. And he'll enter into our earth's atmosphere. And like we were seeing, he will enter in and land on a cloud. <laughs> so he's going to say lachach. The archangel is going to repeat. It's like the second lieutenant, lachach. And when they say that, they're going to blow that last and final trumpet, the tekiah agedolah. <clears throat> and when that sounded, it says, and the dead in Yeshua will rise first. <clears throat> so all of those family and friends who we know that are Christians, they would rise first. That's why he told them, he told the, the brothers and sisters in uh, Thessalonica, don't be ignorant. Don't despair. Because he will take those who die in us first. So the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So he is going to come in the clouds in earth's atmosphere, but he will not touch the ground. He will touch the ground after the second coming. And all of Israel shall be saved. And it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So therefore comfort one another with these words. So one of our sisters, they were here last week. And her mom had just died on Thursday. But they were still here. Praising the Lord and still knew the, the promises of the Lord. You go to the next one. So we can comfort one another and let's not be ignorant, right? We say. So 1 Corinthians goes also, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So sleep was a technical term that uh, Shaul, Raul, uh, Rabbi Shaul would use of those who are dead in Christ because they're still alive. Only their body looks uh, inanimated not moving but in heaven they have a heavenly body and they are alive so it says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye that's an atom of time an iota of time at the last trumpet some people say the last trumpet is from revelations right the book of revelations was not written yet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible so the Bible says the corrupted, the corrupted will put on incorruption. So that's the dead in Christ whose body have seen corruption will become, will be changed in an instant to be incorruptible. And then we who are alive and remain, our bodies are mortal. Our mortal bodies will become immortal. And instead of having blood within our veins, it will be the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will be running in and through our veins. Because the blood, Yeshua said, look, I am flesh and blood. So the blood, I mean flesh and bone, Yeshua said. Because blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Because it will break down. It, that's where all the diseases stem from, is our blood. So no more. We're going to have, we're going to be in heaven with the Lord forever. So if He comes down during His kingdom, we're going to be with Him. We will be up there for seven years for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be up there with him partying. Well, all hell will broke loose on earth. 
came out of the rest of the class. So the rapture is the only thing that is imminent. So everything like the second coming, there are timetables, there are scriptures that tell us when that will happen. So the next, the rapture will come, and then sometimes after the rapture will be the great tribulation because Rosh Hashanah is 10 days before Yom Kippur. So Rosh Hashanah is for the church. Now the church is known as the body of Yeshua or the Guf HaMashiach. But Israel is known as the wife of Jehovah. That's why some people, they have a hard time reading scripture. Like, oh, who's this here? Who's that there? But you understand the church is the bride of Yeshua. And Israel is the wife of Jehovah. And you can see the distinction between the two. So the rapture is just for the church. And it says we're not destined for wrath. You know? Let's go to the bottom one. He says, we're not uh, called to wrath, but he, he uh, appointed us to salvation. Now, Revelation 3.10 says, because you have kept my command to persevere, to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. This is the great tribulation, which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. So the thing is, if you're on the earth during the great tribulation, you will die. <laughs> Pretty much, you will get your head will be cut off if you're going to end up believing in Messiah. That's what's going to happen. So some people believe, some churches believe that the church will go to the tribulation. But the church will not go to the tribulation because it is separate from Israel. The great tribulation is because Israel had committed the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin, anybody know what it is? It's and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is Jesus while in their midst they said that all his works and miracles wasn't done by the Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit it was done by Beelzebub the prince of demons so they attributed all his works not to the work of God to the Holy Spirit but to the demons so because of that his whole ministry changed it went from tell all to tell no one yeah Go to the next one. So this is the one I use to those those people who say they're going to go through the tribulation and make it. They're going to make all these bunkers and make food. So it says, be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. So he said, don't worry about today. I know we get bills and da da da, but don't worry. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. He's talking about the tribulation. For it will come upon all those who dwell upon the face of the earth. So if you're going to go through the tribulation, that seven-year period, you cannot uh, hide from the pain that you're going to get. Everybody, this whole earth will be jacked up. Water, air, everything. Everything will be horrible. In fact, they will lose demons. All the demons that are in the abyss today will be released. The climate change. Yeah, yeah. Hey, climate change is nothing. Every day a climate change. Yeah? So you cannot be <laughs> I saw the news yesterday. One lady was talking to Ocasio and she said, We have to eat the babies. 
So they, they're sucking up too much of our air, and we cannot cook meat. We have to eat the babies. And she didn't. She didn't even say, "You crazy girl." She's like, "Oh wow, wow, awesome." But she was like, "The baby was gone." So the rapture is the blessed hope that we have, but we have to go through seven years of tribulation and. Just all kind of demons attacking you on no good water, no sun, or just havoc on earth would be terrible. Next one. But he's gonna come again. So the rapture between the rapture and the end of the tribulation is gonna be the judgment seat of Christ. We're gonna be brought before Christ for the, as the bride. And there's gonna be survivors that come out. Of the tribulation alive and these are the Jews that the Yeshua said all Israel shall be saved so one-third of Israel will be saved and come through the tribulation into the Messianic kingdom live our life Satan will come and try one more time to deceive the nations and then they all will be thrown into the lake of fire and they will move from the Messianic kingdom thousand years we go right into the eternal order no more pain, no more crying. Even the hope we have, people, is unbelievable. I mean, the mind can understand what Jesus did for us. Okay, so what? So tonight we're gonna to look at maybe halfway through Genesis 39. So Joseph, he went from a commodity, right? He was uh, sold, right, as a slave. Then he went to authority in Potiphar's house, and then he went to the fraternity of brotherhood because he ended up in jail. <laughs> Terrible. Get on to So um, his brothers take him. So Reuben, they actually wanted to kill him. So we will see why the Lord wanted the Jews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's kids, all their family, to, to go down to Egypt. We'll tell you why in this month. So verse 39, chapter 39, verse 1. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, it's pretty uh, clear who he was, right? Uh, officer in uh, Pharaoh's guard, an Egyptian, he bought him of the hand of the Ishmaelites that had brought him down to there. So 39 says he got him from the Ishmaelites. Chapter 37, the end of chapter 37 says this. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the Lord. Is there a contradiction here? What it is, is the Midianites and the Ishmaelites, they were allies. In fact, the Ishmaelites and the Midianites were both uh, tribes from Abraham. So from Hagar, you get the Ishmaelites. And then from Keturah, you get the Midianites. So they were allies, but they were also family. So even with um, Joseph, they were family. So the Midianites probably sold Yosef 
as they see Joseph to the Ishmaelites on the way to Egypt. Then they sold him to the captain of the Egyptian guards. So again, they were allies, but inevitably, the Ishmaelites would absorb the Midianites into their um, clan. Go to the next one. So they were up in Dothan, and somewhere between Dothan and all the way down to Egypt, they had sold. So this bottom part, um, maybe where it says Zoan, close to Gaza, that's where the Ishmaelites uh, resided in that area. So they could have came down, sold him there, and they went the rest of the way into Egypt and sold uh, Joseph there. So one interesting thing that I wanted to point out was, so the red line from the bottom, if you go down a little bit more, that's where the Midianites live. So they would trail up, track up to there, up to Dothan. So Dothan was a main trading spot. So they would come from all the way from Babylon, Ur, and come to Dothan, and they would come from the bottom to Dothan, and then the trade was always big in Egypt, so they would always take their wares down to Egypt. So the amazing thing was that Joseph was in Hebron, and his dad told him to go find his brothers. So he, he told them to go check Shechem. Remember Shechem was where they went, uh, circumcised all the dudes over there, and then they killed them all after? But eventually, the people now are scared of him. So they go, he sends him to Shechem, Somebody overhears him saying, they went to Dothan, like out of the blue, he said, there's a guy walking, I asked him, he saw my brothers, they're in Dothan. And because Dothan is a major trade route, they ended up selling him. And God's will came to exactly because his whole plan was to get Joseph down to Egypt. So I don't know if you know this, but the book of Genesis is 11 family records, 11 family genealogies that were put together to show the lineage of the promised Messiah. So now we're all the way at the bottom on the last one, the 12 tribes and Joseph. So it's called Todos. So if you look at the scriptures, what Moses did was he compiled these seven family records and he wrote them down for us so that we could track who was who and who was related. Now one thing, chapter 38, was between chapter 37 and 39, also was inserted the story of Judah and Tamar. So way back in, uh, I think, Genesis 6, there's the flood, right? Noah, Genesis 9. What happened? Why did the flood come? The earth was wicked. Unreal wicked. So the Lord had to judge the earth Renew it. And so then we have Shem, Noah, and then Abraham, the promises were given to Abraham. You go to the next one? Okay, wait. Go to this one. So Tamar, so Judah, what Judah did was he married a Canaanite woman. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob listened to Yehovah. They said, don't marry those uh, Gentile women. Stick with your, with your kind. So this chapter was inserted to see the Messianic line 
where he would come out of. Because Judah, he went against the Lord's. Uh, so now the, the Messianic line was getting watered down. Watered down. And then we also found that Judah's two sons were wicked. So Judah taught the Lord killed, the Wahini killed the, the two sons. But the, the scripture says, Yehovah killed the sons because they were Ra. Ra is evil or wicked in Hebrew. And whenever Ra is used in the, in the Genesis, it's always a means of judgment. That if you're going to commit Ra, you're going to get judged by God and you're going to be killed. So two of his sons were wicked and they didn't make it into the land. <clears throat> so chapter 38 was to show that Judah and Tamar had a son named Peretz. And through Peretz, Yeshua would be born out of now what we see here is the Genesis record is a series of recurring threats that endanger the survival and purity of the covenant line of Abraham. And all the threats converge here at this point in Genesis, creating an impossible dire situation for Jacob or Yaakov and his children. First we see family division, right? And violence. They wanted to kill their brother. Remember Cain and Abel, two brothers, one brother killed them. What that means is they were so evil, they were threatening the line of the Messiah. Secondly, there was unrighteousness and intermarriage with foreign nations, which again threatened the seed's purity. And there was also going to be a global famine, which endangered everybody in the covenant line. But, Yish, but Yehovah uses Yosef, Joseph, to resolve each of these problems in Abraham's family. But instead of him taking revenge on his brothers, he reconciles with his brothers and restores the family unity by extending forgiveness. Did you see on the news that one boy, 18 years old, this cop went into the wrong house, shot the, the brother dead. And she said she was in the wrong apartment. What happened was they were in they were in court, and this guy, the 18-year-old boy, said, If you're truly sorry, I want you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because I have nothing against you. He said, I love you. You know, things do wrong, we do wrong things, but he he forgave her and he told he told her, he told the judge if he could hug her. And the judge, after like a minute, said, okay, he can go hug her. So they were hugging, and it was a beautiful thing. And after the, after the sentencing, the judge gave her a Bible. The judge said, this is my Bible. I want you to read the book of John. was <laughs> one unreal like, testimony. And he's like, he's all over the place. But um, it was just beautiful to see that. You know, back in the 1800s, 1700s, when people were convicted, um, even to death, when they had a capital punishment, the judges would give them a gospel. That was that is how it was back in the day. No more. Now the ACLU or some people are attacking the judge for an, um, separation of church and state. But in our history, the precedent was that the judges would give 
He's criminals. The gospel before they die. You heard, are you ready to meet your maker? That's where it came from. Our judicial system. So he preserves the family from severe uh, famine through his wisdom. Right? He was so smart and his administrative genius. He settles his family in Goshen. Now this is the most uh, lush part of Egypt. We went to Egypt and Goshen is beautiful. Now what, what covered them there from, from cultural influences was that the Egyptians had these prejudice against people. They didn't want any other uh, interact with any other culture. So the Lord put them in the sweet spot to keep them safe and covered from any outside cultural influence. So what happened was, what Jacob did uh, through his son Joseph, he reversed, he's trying to reverse this curse, which he does. He unravels the violence through forgiveness. Which is what happened yesterday. Unrighteousness through righteousness. And he helps save people from hunger through wisdom. So he uses Joseph to fulfill, to give us a glimpse of the promises that were promised to Abraham. So Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they all were known, characterized by faithlessness. Yeah, lies, actually sin. Joseph is never never characterized that way. You know what's interesting? Joseph is never used as a type of Christ. Many pastors use it, but in Scripture, the New Testament, it never uses him as a type of Christ. So when Joseph was sold, it was about 1898 B.C. During a certain uh, pharaoh, and the Pharaoh was a Semite. So that's the only way that, so they were Hyksos. If you ever look, not Hatsos, they were Hyksos. And these Hyksos were Semites. That is the only reason why this Pharaoh would let um, Joseph be raised to power. So verse 2 will tell us the source of the blessing. It says, And Yehovah, who was with Yosef, so just as he was with the patriarchs, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master. Interesting thing, Adonai never speaks to Yosef directly by divine revelation. Never did. Verse 3, And his master saw that Jehovah was with him, and that Jehovah made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So the master, Potiphar, saw that God was with him. Now this is also applicable to all of us today. Do the people that you are, uh, your sphere of influence, a circle of uh, interaction, do they look at you and say, wow, the Lord is with that guy or with that one Do they say that? They should. They should. <laughs> or if they aren't, you got to work on that. Yeah? Become more like him. So we ought to get to a point where people can actually notice that Jehovah is with us. So they don't actually necessarily know, knew his name, but his presence and hand of blessing was upon a particular individual. So what he did see, Potiphar, was the result of the work of the hand of God 
in Joseph's life. Now comes uh, Joseph's promotion in verse 4. It says, And Joseph found favor in the sight, in his sight, and he ministered unto him. So Joseph served Potiphar, and he made him an overseer of his house, and all that he had put him in his hand. Now Joseph took charge of all the administrative works of the house of Potiphar. And you see that old lady, the lady guy. He saw that, hold on. He's like, oh, that guy. Okay. So verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had. So everything in his house, all his animals, all his land was in the charge of Joseph. And Yehovah blessed Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake because Joseph was there. Just like, remember Uncle Laban? I mean, he saw that his nephew was blessed. So he gave him Leah, right? Leah, he had sleepy eyes. He gave her to him first so he could get 14 years out of him as he saw how um, blessed he was. So immediately after Yosef, when Joseph gets this promotion, the Lord blessed everything in part of first um, ownership so that there would be no doubt that Jehovah was with him. Now here again, I don't know if you guys heard of this, but it's called the, uh, the outworking of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, there's a two aspects to the uh, Abrahamic covenant. It's the aspect of blessing and the aspect of cursing. So it says in Genesis 12, 3, Yehovah will bless those who bless Israel. Actually, blessing and blessing, blessing for blessing of the same kind. And he will also curse those who curse Israel with the exact same curse. You remember Haman or Haman? He built the gallows, right, to curse the Jew, Mordecai. What happened? The exact curse he wanted to curse Mordecai with, he got cursed with. So the Lord is saying, stand with Israel. You stand with Israel, I will stand with you. Because they're the, uh, the apple of my eye. And I hid in all of my uh, oracles within them. That's why I told earlier, we were looking at the dreams of Joseph. Joseph didn't need an interpreter. But the Gentiles did, right? The Gentiles are, oh, what did you know about? Daniel, right? Daniel did. Daniel had to interpret the dreams. Nebuchadnezzar. So the Jews, they have, God had placed in them the oracles of himself. That's why they don't need interpretation. They, they got all the goods. So Potiphar blessed Joseph the Jew. So Yehovah in turn blesses Potiphar. And he was all-inclusive. So I wanted to ask you guys, is the Abrahamic covenant in effect for today? It's still in effect. How? How is it in effect? When we bless Israel, the Lord will bless you. That's not why we do the messianic thing, but it might be. So we, we try to witness to Jews and stuff. So one example I use that everybody might be aware of is our President Trump. So what Trump did was Trump seized Jerusalem as Israel's rightful capital, which was 3,000 years ago. David made it the capital. He moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. This is exactly how the Jews, the Bible, and Yehovah himself seized the land. That Jerusalem 
is the capital. So if you look at all the things that President Trump has done, it's pretty clear Yehovah is still working on his mount. But, he, but all the things that he's accomplished has really been an amazing thing. He's accomplished so much in spite of all these vicious attacks. Right? He's in another attack right now. From the inception of his presidency to this day, they're still attacking him. But in spite of that, we have the strongest economy. In fact, they say it's one of the strongest in the world. Lowest unemployment. So from Tel Aviv, you see that uh, up there, Tel Aviv, they moved, he moved the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. So if you're around in Israel at the time, all over the city would have these buses and stuff that says, Trump, make Israel great again. I like, I like this one. Look at that. It says, God bless Trump from J USA Lem. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So this is the Jews, right? God's people that we should be aligned with, and we are. So Netanyahu was thanking President Trump for having the courage to keep his promises and for making the alliance between America and Israel stronger than ever. I think it's the best ever. We didn't just give lip service to Israel. We actually did something. So this is when they're coming into um, Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. He said, dear friends, what a glorious day. He said, Netanyahu, remember this moment, he said. This is history. President Trump, by recognizing history that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, he said, you have made history. And he says, all of us are deeply moved. All of us are deeply grateful. So this is the U.S. Embassy that they said it cost billions. It was like $4 billion. Trump does it for like 180000 But he said, you know what? Charge us 400000 We make it nice. So they did that. So near... Near Tel Aviv, where they took the embassy out, this place is called Patak Tikva. And what that means is the opening of hope or a glimmer of hope. So what they saw is they named this place after it. Kikha Trump. Oh, Kikha Donald Trump. This, is, this place was named after Donald Trump close to the place where they removed the embassy. So he blessed Trump, taking the embassy away and making Trump known in that exact area. Go to the next one. Look at this one. Golan Heights. What the news says? June 16, 2019. That's my sister's birthday, but I just see that. This is Ramat Trump. Trump Heights in the Golan they named this whole settlement after Trump <laughs> Ramat Trump so this map shows in Punetra that is where Trump uh, Ramat Trump is 
And then down here, you see the Tel Aviv Yafo and Petar Tikva in the same area. So the Lord wants to still keep that place, but He wants to memorialize Donald Trump. It's pretty wild. Next one. So this is a model, a computer model of what, uh, what is his name, Netanyahu wanted to do. He let build, rebuild the temple. <laughs> That's his plan. Uh, a third temple is not sanctioned by the law, okay? It would be a dirty temple. But this is one of the seals that he wanted to put on the temple. <laughs> he wanted to acknowledge America and Trump. I don't know who's that other guy. Is that King David or what? Uh, that could be King David in the background. Cyrus. Oh, okay. Okay, perfect. So what do you want him to do? He wanted to take that shield and put it on the entry into the new, the, the new temple. Mark of the beast. I don't know if that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, he's still like, let's talk about it. Gee, I don't even like my picture on that temple. Because it's not sanctioned by the Lord yet. Yeah? The temple will be on. Uh, so this is the design, the prototype for the temple coin, the temple money. Is that the shekel? Yeah. This is a prototype of they had brought before, I don't know who. But the peace, right? So they would use this for the affairs in Jerusalem, in the city. Kind of like, if you go to the Vatican, they get their own uh, money and they get their own post office. So if you get, uh, you could get say yeah, the, if you get something, yeah, yeah, so they get their own things that you cannot do inside there. So, kind of the same. Okay. So with this end time scenario, Trump could actually be the last Trump. Because we see how the, the, uh, the world looks now, yeah? Looks like a lot is coming. So after a, a Trump's, uh, I don't know, hopefully he gets the re-elected. But after that, I think I'll get that Tikkiya Gedullah where we're all going to be out of here. So he's coming soon, within four years, I think. <laughs> Six years. <laughs> so with that, I think I'm going to stop there. And then we can uh, postpone the Genesis, huh? Yeah, so far so good, it's good stuff. But I just uh, wanted to express my uh, aloha to uh, Daniel and uh, Dave, and Wade, and Nick for coming out and loving Jesus with you guys' gifts. Thank you. So let us pray and um, we're going to have our uh, bread and a cup. Lord, we thank you that you've uh, you found us worthy, Lord, of dying on the cross. Lord, find us worthy to be your witnesses, Lord, amongst this evil world, Lord. You have told us to go out and share the gospel, that you died, was buried, and on the third day rose again. If we, if we can convince people of that, they will be ushered into your presence. 
in that deal. So Lord, we ask that you might give a double portion of blessing upon everyone here. And also give them a, an inkling, Lord, a courage, Lord, to speak about the greatest thing that this earth has ever experienced, the goodness and the love of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Seha Elohim, the Lamb of God, that didn't cover the sins where we had to every year do a sacrifice. How horrible. But when you did it, God, you said it was finished. You nailed it on the cross. And now we just trust you. And we go to you for forgiveness. So, Lord, remind us, Lord, through the cup and through the bread of your loveliness towards us. We love you in Yeshua's name. And we all say, Amen.